So Mental Health Day on the Hill might be wrapping up, but we're not done. There's a lot more you can do. Um, call or email or visit your state legislators, especially if you didn't have a chance to see them today. Um, tell them that we need to keep building our mental health system in Minnesota. Welcome to Mental Health in Minnesota, produced by NAMI Minnesota, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the lives of children and adults with mental illnesses and their families. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namihelps.org. Welcome to another episode. This is a recording of the Mental Health Rally at the Capitol, March 16th, 2017. Good afternoon. I can't hear you. Good afternoon. Are you all advocates? I don't think they can hear you. Are you all advocates? So as you know, my name is Sue Aberholden, and I'm executive director of NAMI Minnesota, and we're going to kick off this rally with a very important representative. Representative Nick Zerwas is from District 30A, but more importantly, he is our champion in the House to restrict the use of solitary confinement in prisons. So please give a warm welcome to Representative Nick Zerwas. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here to visit with you today. I am, it's a pleasure to be here to visit with you today. I am honored to be the author for NAMI's bill working to reduce and eliminate the abuse of segregation and solitary confinement of the mentally ill in our prison system. I want to be very clear. There is no other medical condition that would bring a society to isolate, segregate, and confine to a closet for hundreds and hundreds of days. We wouldn't do it with people suffering from diabetes. We wouldn't do it to people that suffer from cancer or heart disease, and we shouldn't do it to people that suffer with mental illness. Treating people with mental illness and locking them away, it's un-Minnesotan, it's un-American, and we can do better than that. We have to. The bill we are pushing in the Minnesota House of Representatives is just putting on guardrails to try to stop the abuse or even the appearance of abuse in our prisons. We need accountability when people are put into segregation for hundreds of days. We need the commissioner to sign off and at least acknowledge that people are being isolated and segregated for hundreds of days. We need to make sure that as people are put into isolation or segregation, that they get mental health checks 
every single day. I'm, at times, I'm really shocked and saddened that in a state that cares for people as well as Minnesota, that there is such a disconnect in our prison system. And I vow to you, and I give you my word, I will not stop until we reform segregation in our prisons. We will keep on fighting. But I'll tell you, we have a stiff and steep hill to climb. It's going to be a hard, it's going to be hard work. And I can't do it alone. I need your help. I need your help. Will you guys help me? How about up top? Will you guys help me? Will you help me? I need your help. I need you to work with your legislators, knock down the doors of your senators and your House members, and tell them we will not let this continue. We must have reforms in our prison, and we're not going to stop fighting until we get it done. Are you guys with me? All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the energy, the excitement, and you guys coming down. Let's get this done. Let's do this. Thank you, guys. So we're going to intersperse the speeches with legislators with other of us, like me. So I want to thank you again for coming today um, to advocate for a better mental health system one that is strong, accessible, and recovery-oriented. But I have a couple of questions for you. Are there waiting lists to see psychiatrists and other mental health professionals? Yeah. Is there enough affordable housing for everyone? No. Does everyone have a job who wants a job? No. Do all children need the help that need help get that help in the schools? Are there enough in-home supports for children and adults with mental illnesses? No. Do you think you can do something about this? Yeah. All right, I can't hear you. Yeah. Yes, yes, you can. As you know, we don't have a broken mental health system. We've never built it. And the mental health community has experienced decades of discrimination in education, employment, housing, insurance, and more. And you can't build a, a mental health system with block grants. But we have made progress, and we know what works. Crisis teams, school-linked, first episode programs, ACT teams, ARMS, CTSS, ERTS, supportive housing, and IPS employment, to name a few. But let me ask you, can everyone needing those programs get them? No. What was that you said? No. So how do we get rid of those waiting lists? How do we make sure that you can access treatment and supports when and where you need them? First, it's not by capping Medicaid. We simply cannot allow Congress to pass health care reform that caps Medicaid. 
We know what happens when you have a limited amount of money to spend on health care and mental health care. People don't get the care they need. Second, it's by advocating for increased funding for the programs that work. And let's make sure they focus on early intervention and that they are in the community. We want beds in people's homes, not more beds in hospitals. If we help and support people in the community, we can prevent many hospitalizations and people ending up in the criminal justice system. And third, it's about sharing your stories. Whether it's about you, a family member, or the people you support, those powerful stories make a difference. When we share our stories, we break down the wall of stigma and we replace it with the courage and determination that comes from sharing what we've gone through and what we want for the future. So let me ask you again, are you tired of waiting? Yeah. Are you really tired of waiting? Yeah. We can and must do better. We know exactly what works, we just need to fund it. We are all here today because we dream of a better mental health system. Well, it's time to wake up and make it happen. Today can't be the only day you make your voice heard. You need to keep calling and emailing until the session is over. Are you prepared to do that? Yeah. Everyone here who pledges to be an advocate till the end of the session say, I will. Working together, making our voices heard, we will make that dream a reality. Together, we will increase funding for and access to mental health services. Together, we will create change. Together, we will create hope. Thank you so much for being here today, and keep your voices loud and strong. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to introduce our next speaker, Representative Lori Halverson, who serves on the House Health and Human Services Finance Committee. Please help join me in welcoming her. Good afternoon, advocates. Thank you for being here, and thank you for inviting me here. Um, you all are here because there are big things at stake. Um, and very vulnerable people in our society have been put off for far too long. And we were put off for a lot of years because the state budget was facing a shortfall year after year after year. And when I came in in 2013 as a new legislator, I got to be part of a legislature that structurally balanced the state budget. And for the last eight budget forecasts, Minnesota has been looking at a surplus. Yay, Minnesota! <laughs> Unfortunately, now, after waiting and waiting and waiting, now we're being asked to wait some more because um, some people need tax cuts or they want to shift funding from the general fund to transportation needs, which actually has constitutionally dedicated funding. And I'm not saying those priorities aren't important, but I am saying that human suffering needs to stop. I am saying that we need to treat mental health as a health care issue and fund it as such. Yeah. 
for far too long, it's been, mental health has been shoved to the side and it, it's ha taking its toll on our um, state, it's taking its toll on its families, and it's taking its toll on our economy. Not investing in the state's mental health system is costing the state millions of dollars through criminal justice system, through our schools. The fact is, is that we need to have a health and human services target that funds these priorities and says to the people of Minnesota, we care about you. We don't want moms to not have a place to take their child who is having a psychotic episode. Or we don't want parents to have to be separated by miles or by states simply because their child needs care. We don't want families to have their loved ones hospitalized when they could be getting treatment in a regional center because we're simply not funding it. That's wrong, those are false choices that we're being asked to make. And the fact that you guys are here to tell your stories makes such a difference. It's so hard, and I, I talk a lot about the mom warriors because I'll tell you, you wanna get stuff done down here? Ask a mom um, who is fighting for their kid. <laughs> um, and I have sat in the HHS committee and I have cried with you and I've listened to your stories and I've listened to you come here and tell us the most painful parts of your lives to share with us how we can make your lives better. And I've watched year after year that they cut the health and human services budget in spite of crying with you in spite of caring, in spite of the words. And we're, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done letting people walk out of that room after they give us their testimony and wonder if they're gonna get funded and wonder if they're gonna get supported. And I'm calling on Speaker Doubt every single day to give us a target in HHS that does not cut HHS. The other thing that I'm here to tell you is that the stigma of mental illness is no longer a sti stigma in the state of Minnesota. There is not a family in this state that is not touched by this disease. And I will just end my comments by paying an honor to my grandmother who lived with depression her entire adult life. And I was so proud when she passed away. Um, two things happened when she passed away. One, she had congestive heart failure. She could hardly breathe. But she had been given the gift of having relief from her depression for some reason. And she said to me on her deathbed, I would rather experience anything but depression. She said, I'm so glad I don't have depression. She couldn't breathe but she was so happy she didn't have depression. And, and so I'm so grateful she had that moment of relief before she died. The other thing is, is her daughters and her son at her funeral honored her struggle with mental health. And I think that we need to honor the struggle of mental health as much as we honor the struggle with cancer, as much as we honor the struggle with diabetes and other diseases. People in our families and people in our communities live and fight and work and struggle every single day. 
and, and, as, and that is as valiant as a struggle as any physical ailment. So keep fighting. Fight for yourselves, fight for your loved ones. You're not alone. I hear you, I see you, my colleagues hear you, we see you. Don't stop fighting. Thanks for being here. Thank you, guys. I want a picture of your signs. Thank you so much. I'm, I had to get a picture of your awesome signs. I'm inspired. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, next we have Representative Matt Dean, who is the chair of the House, and House Health and Human Services Finance Committee. Please join me in represent, er, welcoming Representative Dean. Thank you all for coming to the Capitol today to represent all of Minnesota and the best of Minnesota. Because when we reach out and we help people who need just a little bit of extra help, we're really being Minnesotans because that's what it's like to be Minnesotans, where you reach out and you help the person next to you. Mental health has always been on the radar screen, kind of in the background, but it's really coming to the foreground. I chair the Health and Human Services Finance Committee, and you see chairs from other committees coming before us and you think, well, this is really an issue that is being talked about everywhere. The Education Committee comes before us and talks about mental health in the schools, and not just special needs for small groups of people, but mental health for everybody. And that's our school-length mental health program is really reaching kids everywhere to take away the stigma to make it okay. And one of the best conversations I had this year was about school-length mental health, and I was asking one of the advocates, I said, you know, are the, what about little kids? Are they, do, are they feel okay going to ask for mental health, you know, in the school? You know, does somebody come and take them out? Do they have to go get a note, or how does this work? I really hadn't been familiar with a, a kid directly about how that works. And he said, you know what? There's such, in the little kids especially, there's no stigma at all. They bring their friends because their friends want to help them and get through things and help each other. And there's such a caring that is embedded in our young learners right now that's really exciting and really promising. We also hear from folks uh, in corrections. Minnesota jails and our prisons are filled with people with mental health issues. And sometimes it's, uh, the census show that it's more than half of the people who are there are there for maybe the wrong reason because of if we had a diagnosis earlier, if we had treatment earlier, they wouldn't be there. They'd be home getting the help that they deserve and that they needed. But because they didn't get that help, now they're in the wrong place. So we want to get those help and services to people upstream to prevent incarceration down the road which is the biggest waste and the most tragic mistake our state makes is not getting people upstream. And we've got great, great hope for tomorrow. We've got funding and awareness. Those two things go together. The only thing that's missing when you've got funding, you've got awareness, you need advocate. Oh, you're right here. Awesome, we got everything we need right here. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for being at the Capitol today. Bless you and bless the state of Minnesota. Take care. Okay, next up, we have Senator Tony Laurie, who is the ranking minority member on the Senate Health and Human Services Finance and Policy Committee. Please welcome Senator Laurie. Thank you, and thank you all for coming to the Capitol, the People's House, and making your voices heard. The, uh, the, what we do for people with mental health, uh, to support uh, everyone living in our communities is so critically important. And I'm here to tell you, it's not a partisan issue down here in St. Paul. The last speaker, Representative Dean, and uh, he and I both chaired the uh, Finance Committees for Health and Human Services for the last two years. And the bipartisan work that we did together to support people with mental health issues was something that I am the most proud of. You know, people said we weren't gonna be able to get our work done in health and human services. We were a billion dollars apart for a long time. Uh, as we were moving bills through the legislature. And at the end of the day, we came together and had the largest investment in the mental health system in the state's history. <clears throat> and we got our work done on time. <laughs> it's, a, it's a challenging thing to do in an, in a, in, in an area where there is so much uh, poison partisan politics infecting everything that we do um, at the Capitol. That's something that we really need to turn the corner on. And mental health is one of those things that we can all get together about the need to support uh, people in our communities. Uh, you know, in Minnesota, there, always, there has been a long commitment to try to do the best that we can in services and supports for people who are struggling. Um, all the way from early identification uh, efforts, uh, you know, expert type things, in, embedding it in the in the healthcare system so that your your primary care docs are actually trying to work with people and, and identify it early. To early interventions like um, uh, first episode, we just heard that yesterday in committee. To um, uh, 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 longer term ongoing needs, both inpatient and and outpatient act teams, you know, crisis intervention, um, uh, things like that, and then also. One of the most important things that, you know, the mental health community and the provider community sometimes have a little bit of a, a different vision on recovery. We need to look at all aspects of, the, of a, person, uh, a person's uh, path with and through uh, mental health issues and, and make sure that we keep our eye on supporting that, that individual in their path all the way through uh, this, this issue. Um, one of the things, I, I hate to be a little bit of a wet blanket, but we should be very, very scared of the things that are happening in, in D.C., okay? The American Health Care Act, make no mistake about it, mental health is in the crosshairs. Mental health is no longer going to have a mental health parity if the mental health, if the, uh, uh, the American Health Care Act, the Ryan Care or, or Trump Care or whatever you want to call it, they're, they're saying that mental health should be optional. And people should be able to make a choice as to whether to, to, to have mental health care covered in the insurance benefits that they have. You know, people link sign here, I see everybody carrying them. One in four people are going to experience mental health issues during the course of their life. Everybody needs mental health. That is one of the things that... It's one of the things that we've recognized and we've built 
one of the strongest mental health benefit sets into our medical assistance program in the country. We've built that into our uh, uh, Minnesota care program. It's one of the strongest ones in the country. Both of those are on the chopping block under, under uh, the Ryan care plan in DC. Um, you know, I, the other thing that we need to work on uh, is really addressing the stigma. Make it okay. You know, one of the things that, that, that I personally have experienced in my life, you know, there's this, this stigma that it's a sign of weakness if somebody needs to, to seek mental health coverage, at mental health care. That is not at all true. We all struggle. Each, each of us struggles more than any of us could ever know. And there's going to be a time when almost each one of us is going to need some help. It's a sign of strength to seek the help that you need. Not a sign of weakness. And your voice here today makes that more clear than ever. And I just want to thank you for coming and making your voice heard. And we can get together and we can do some really good work to support what we know works in treating mental health. So thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Anna Stevens, who came down here from Wadena today to help us uh, and share her own lived experience. So please welcome Anna. Hey, Minnesota advocates, who's awake today? Where's our legislature? Are they sleeping? Because you know what? We're awake, we're alive, and we're here. Let's let them know we are here. Okay, because I know I'm short, so I'm going to show you a short story. It's called I Will Stay. Once upon a while ago, I made the choice that I had to go. I couldn't stand the pain no more. I was embarrassed to be seen. I was afraid of what you might think if you knew what really happened to me. I carried the shame of someone else's evil. I carried the guilt of another bad deed. On days I walked around with my head in the clouds. On others I stuffled with my feet, barely making it off the floor, my eyes to the ground. I couldn't stand the way, the way I felt. I was feeling the pain. I pulled my heart, the pain tugged at my soul, and the pain suffocated me. My will, my pain, that destroyed my hope. So thoughts to end it all were here. Oh, the things you think when you are so red deep in fear. So I gave up, I swallowed them all, and I drifted away. I heard a small, small girl's voice call, stay, you are stronger than you know. Curiosity seems to have gotten the best of me. I wanted to know just what did she see? And what you all know is through life isn't easy. But you know what? I'm stronger than the pain that tried to consume me. Thank you. Thank you. Now they said I only have two to three minutes, so I'll try to make this, you know, not so long. 
because I don't even have the attention span that long. So anyway, <laughs> my name is Anna. I live in Wadena. I'm the newest member of Wellness in the Woods. Jody! And um, I've spent a huge part of my life believing that I wasn't worthy. I didn't have the value and I didn't matter. I lived most of my life in a, call, in a town called Managa. Okay, I think we had a set of stop signs. Okay, so I felt like, you know, I would find myself hurting myself every day. I spent more than enough time with unpeople, unhealthy people and unrighteous people. I felt like I was dying a little more every day. What changed? Why do I feel like I want to live and become involved to make a difference? Someone believed in me. Someone saw behind my tattoos, my piercings, my crazy hair. She saw inside of me the part of me that was hurting and knowing that I wanted to belong to somewhere, someone. Well, at Wellness in the Woods, we believe that you all have that worth. You are worth advocating for. You are worth encouraging. You are worth supporting to. And most of all, listening to. You are worth it and bringing your wishes to St. Paul when you're not able to. We all each have the opportunity to meet today with our local representatives and tell them what matters to you. See, they're all sitting in their offices every day. They don't know what we need. We need to make our voices louder. We need to make our voices proud. They need to know, because I'm sure not of them all, live with mental illness, you heard Trump. Like really, I can shut this off because it's Friday? We are bonded by life experiences with mental health challenges. It doesn't matter our culture, our religion, our income, or our creed. We deserve mental health services that keep us well and support us all when we're struggling. That means you, 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 y'all up top. That means all of us. Even me. And like I said before, our representatives and senators often do not know what kind of support we need. If they have not had the experiences we have, we need to share our story. We need to get and stay involved. We need to be a part of our local mental health advisory councils and get to know our legislatures and make them know Hey, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. You need to help me. And who's all here from Duluth? Anybody from Duluth? Come on, who's from Duluth? Do you guys need services up there in Duluth? Are you getting the service you all need up in Duluth? Well, who's here from, from Northwest Minnesota? Northwest Minnesota. Who's getting the services they need in Northwest Minnesota? I know it ain't me. So the services need to be in Northwest Minnesota? Anybody from Northwest? All right, let's go. Now tell me, who's here from Southeast Minnesota? Do y'all need mental health services? So share our hearts and our ideas with our representative. And did anyone come from Southwest Minnesota? Yeah. 
Do y'all have enough mental services when you need them? When you need them, you don't have to wait. Yeah, I need this. It's not like tomorrow my mental health is going to be like, eh, not today. So tell your representatives. Minnesota's mental health system is under construction. And you know what? Y'all, me, you, everybody, we're the foundation. Nothing worthwhile can be built without a strong foundation. My brothers and sisters today, let's form as one and become a strong foundation for our mental health services. Let's let our legislatures know, hey, we ain't going anywhere because today's not Sunday. <laughs> so let's be strong and communicate our needs to remain a vital part of our community. Join me in today and saying, hey, listen to me, I'm right here. Thank you. Next, I would like to introduce Beatrice Officer. Give her a warm round of applause. I feel very privileged to be before you this afternoon. Um, as she stated, my name is Beatrice Officer, and like many of you, I stand before you an accomplished professional, a daughter, a mother, living with mental illness. I also have a 21-year-old and a 17-year-old who also have a mental illness. I am here today to speak briefly as to why it's important for our governor and our state legislators to protect our mental health system that we have just begun to build. Our mental health system has to continue to be a priority. Unfortunately, too many Americans varying from racial and socioeconomic backgrounds do not get adequate care due to stigma, limited access, and lack of affordability. Even though employer medical coverage has been affordable for my family, accessing additional services for my children would not have been possible without state-supported funding. Because of this funding, both of my children received remarkable intervention services and supports early on in their diagnosis. Early diagnosis and intervention is imperative, and I think we all know that. We know that limited or no access to intervention and supportive mental health services leads to increased suicides, homelessness, unemployment, and incarceration. Therefore, continued support of such services and programs are, our children's, are critical to our children. While we know that mental health illness can be very disabling for some, most people live with a mental illness are living productive lives only because of affordability and access to care. Both of my children were able to access day treatment programs when they were younger because of additional state funding. Without it, I don't even want to imagine where my family would be today. Without coverage provided by my employer was just not enough. Because of the services early on, my daughter, since graduating from high school, has been able to maintain stable part-time employment for four years. I am confident that the only reason she had her first and only hospitalization at the age of 10 was because of access to mental health care providers that may not have been available using only my employer-sponsored coverage because it was not enough. Her mental health is stabilized with support of weekly therapy, armed services, and medication management. 
Additional state funding is making all of this possible. Today, she is a confident young woman looking forward to accomplishing her goals and her dreams. I am confident that my son, who is a senior this year, will just be just as successful. He has been able to maintain a part-time job for six months now. He is feeling competent being able to do what others his age who do not have a mental illness can do. He feels normal. Minnesota mental health care system must continue to increase support as needs increases to ensure access and availability to care. Capping, defunding, and eliminating funding will only continue to burden our other programs to assist the homeless, the unemployed, and the incarcerated. So in closing, I ask you to continue to stay involved, continue to be an advocate for the young and the old who are living with mental illness. Be their voice when speaking with your state leaders about their needs and the importance of keeping what works growing and continuing to developing as the need increases. Thank you. Thank you so much, Beatrice. Um, now please join me in welcoming Pahui Yang from Wilder. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. I'm so honored to be here with all of you. Um, I, I have to confess and you know give you a warning. Um, the last few times I've talked about this, um, I've you know ended up crying. And um, one of my uh, friends said to me, um, "I didn't know you were so passionate about healthcare." And I thought about that, and I thought, "Healthcare." I'm I, so so. I thought about it, and I thought, "Well, it really wasn't. I, I wasn't feeling passionate about healthcare." I. Um, when I've talked about this, I see the faces of all of you, all of the people we serve at the Wilder Foundation. I see the faces of my community, of our communities, and I know what's at stake. Oh man, there I am going again. I know what's at stake here, and I am a firm believer that a society is judged by how we treat the most vulnerable people in our communities. Oh. Don't tell my team at Wilder that I'm crying. <laughs> um, the day after the, the, the current bill, Trump Care, whatever we want to call it, was revealed, I asked one of my colleagues, what does this really mean? And she said, well, what it really means is we're gonna have to pick between little kids, the elderly, or poor single adults. Wow. I wanna tell you a little bit about me, um, and then I'll go back to, it'll make sense. You know, I'm uh, the, the Vice President of um, Community Mental Health and Wellness at the Wilder Foundation. But first and foremost, what I want to tell you is I'm a psychologist, I'm a social worker, I'm a refugee and daughter of refugees, I'm an American citizen and I vote. I'm a, 
I'm a sister and a friend and a family member to many people who live with a mental illness. Excuse me. In times when things feel really uncertain, as they do now, and in times when things feel really big, as they do now, I think about the things that really matter to me. And, you know, one of our uh, legislators talked about being a mom and moms. And I think of my kids. And um, I have pretty amazing kids. They're really cute and they're really smart. I'm convinced they're the smartest and cutest kids ever. Um, but four of my kids, four of my kids, um, not long ago, my family was blessed. Um, with four children who certainly, while not born from my body, were certainly born from my soul. And um, not a day goes by that I think about the path that brought them into my life. Because while I am certainly so grateful every day that I have my children, there's a part of me that grieves for what brought them to my life. And um, what I'm talking about is the mental health illness and substance use disorders that both of their biological parents suffered that led to the termination of their parental rights. And my daughter and I, every night we pray that her biological parents are getting help and they're getting healing and they are getting what they need. But that peace, that help, and that recovery and that healing feels more and more distant as I watch what's happening at the national level and how that may impact our state. We have some really exciting and innovative opportunities in our state right now to build the kind of mental health system that fits for our people, that fits for all of us, that fits for our families, our neighbors, our friends, and ourselves as opposed to the other way around. And this year we, living in a world where there is so much potential, watching this possibly go down the drain is so heartbreaking for me. I was talking with, um, actually we have an ACT team at Wilder. Many folks on our ACT team are gonna be some of the folks who would be impacted. Um, many folks on our ACT team who have graduated and are doing beautifully are gonna be some of the folks impacted. And our team was saying to me, why, you know, how, how do we speak out? We don't have, you know, we're not public policy experts. We don't have connections. We're just folks who know what the experiences, both as providers, as family members, as team members. And one of the things that I said to them, and, and I, I finally learned this a long, long time ago, I thought you had to be someone important. I thought you had to know a whole lot of things about public policy. I thought you had to be really, really, really smart. And what I learned was I just had to be me. And all of you just have to be you. Because no one, when we speak the truth of our experiences, and when we speak the truth of our families, and when we speak the truth of the people that we serve, and when we speak the truth as providers, educators, consumers, 
family members, and communities. No one can take away that truth. They try, but no one can take away the truth of our experiences because we have a lot at the table. And I am so heartened to see all of you here today because no one can take away our truth. Thank you for having me. Okay, next, help me welcome Kim Lutz. Hi guys, hi, hello everybody. Just a second, I got to get my, my boss has to take my picture while I'm up here. Could you grab that please? Cause you know, whatever. Hey, hey there. Um, my name's Kim Lutz and I work for Mental Health Minnesota and um, I'm kind of giving you an update here. Um, I have, I've spoken at um, this rally the last three years and um, my story is that I lived with bipolar dis live with bipolar disorder for a number of years, and um, with a lot of help and a lot of support, a lot of quality mental health care available to me, um, a loving community, I'm thriving quite well right now. I'm yes, yes. Um, Mental illness is not a choice that I made. This isn't the plan I had for me for my life. Um, I had other plans. I had plans of being a nurse. I was a nurse for a while, but having a long career as a nurse, and that didn't work out. For a long time, I wasn't able to be employed. I still, you know, I, I think about now, you know, all the stuff about the health care in our country right now, and. Um, it breaks my heart because I think about a period of time in my life when I wasn't able to work. I wasn't able to hold down a job because I have a mental illness and I was really struggling. But, you know, I got the health care that I needed and I had wonderful support from my community, from my um, drop-in center that I went to, from a lot of great providers. and. I was able to get to a point where I was able to get a job. At first, just a few hours, and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And I've been working for about, um, well, I think it's pushing three years now for Mental Health Minnesota. And two years of that, I've been um, working full time. And so I'm, um, yeah. So the thing is, is that, you know, did it cost the taxpayers a lot of money? you know, to treat me. Yeah, you know, it probably did. You know, and thank you all. But I just feel like I think I'm worth it. You know, I mean, I... I you know, and I think that that's the thing that we have to stress to our elected officials is that all of us are worth that investment. We are all... You know, and, and so, man, when you talk to your elected officials, you just say to them, you know, I am worth the investment here. You know, because it's like we all have something to contribute, whether it is through paid employment or volunteer work or, you know, any other kind of advocacy, even, you know, friendships with people that you know. It's like we all play such an important role in this world and I think that our elected officials now more than ever need to know 
that whatever funding they put in, it, we are worth the investment. And I'm so glad that you are all here. I am just, Mental Health Day on the Hill is, it's like a high holiday to me. I mean, I get really excited by it and it's just beautiful to see everybody's face. But, you know, in this difficult time, I guess my last thing to, that I wanna say is that, you know, we're hearing in the press a lot about, you know, funding for mental health care, people who don't have jobs or people who are underemployed or whatever, you know, burden on society and all that kind of stuff. It's so not true and we need to just be extra gentle, not only with ourselves, but with each other because we're not gonna get it so much in the press right now. But I'm just so glad you all came here today and, you know, mental health recovery is possible for anyone. We need to put money into it though. That's my word. So thank you. Okay, we had a, a couple of other legislative speakers, but we suspect they must have gotten stuck in committee. So um, I am going to take a little bit of time to wrap up our day. Uh, first by saying thank you one more time to everyone who came here today. Thank you. Um, a thank you to all the legislators who came here to speak and for those who shared their stories today. So Mental Health Day on the Hill might be wrapping up, but we're not done. There's a lot more you can do. Um, call or email or visit your state legislators, especially if you didn't have a chance to see them today. Um, tell them that we need to keep building our mental health system in Minnesota. Uh, write letters, write letters to the editor in your local community papers um, to encourage support of the issues that you care about. And finally, contact your congressional representatives and tell them that the proposed changes to Medicaid could mean that millions of Americans do not get the mental health care that they need. So, you know, to, to just close down, keep working, keep fighting for what you believe in, and thank you so much again for coming. NAMI Minnesota champions justice, dignity, and respect for all people affected by mental illnesses. Through education, support, and advocacy, we strive to eliminate the pervasive stigma of mental illnesses, affect positive changes in the mental health system, and increase the public and professional understanding of mental illnesses. NAMI Minnesota vigorously promotes the development of community mental health programs and services, improved access to services, and increased opportunities for recovery. Call us at 651-645-2948 or email NAMIHelps at NAMIMN.org. NAMI Minnesota's website is NAMIHelps.org. Outside of Minnesota, visit NAMI.org to find your state NAMI organization.